You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, once again recording live from the Brooklyn Bunker. You know, it's been probably a little over a week, maybe two, since Dave Chappelle's stand-up Uh, received considerable, considerable backlash. His special on Netflix, The Closer, which contained, even in the media, they're referring to them as jokes at the expense of transgender people. But if you listen to Democracy-ish, you know that my co-host Toure and I discussed this in a bit of detail last week. And I had the opportunity to bring on one of the former former trans employees at Netflix who recently made headlines because the media company decided to, yes, fire them. B. Pagels Minor uh, will join us in a bit to talk about their experience at Netflix as a black trans person and to talk about just in general their experience in the world of tech. Folks, I am so excited to welcome to Woke AF Daily for the first time, B. Pagels Minor, whose name you may have heard and know in affiliation with Netflix's current scandal, with regard to the fact that there has been considerable pushback on Dave Chappelle's special, The Closer. And B, you have found yourself at somewhat of the center of that issue. But before we jump into where things are now, I want to talk about your experience at Netflix as a black trans person and what kind of environment and kind of culture has been present at Netflix that brings us into this present moment. Yes, you know, it's actually really interesting. And and I, I think I've said this a lot. I actually chose Netflix because I thought it was going to be one of the best possible experiences for me as a Black trans person. So before I, I decided to join Netflix, there's a few things that were on my mind. Obviously, you know, I've worked in tech for a very long time, so I wanted to make sure I got great pay. But like, you know, when, when I first, before I even started, I knew I wanted to have a child. I knew I was going to have gender confirming sur- surgery. And so Netflix checked the boxes from a benefits perspective. 
And then the manager who actually recruited me, one of the things I liked best about my experience with him was that he asked me, for instance, in our very first meeting, you know, what are your pronouns? And, you know, I was like, my pronouns are they, them, theirs. And he also happens to invite me there on the same day as a Black Adam event. So he took me down to get a plate of food. And, and I'm just going to tell you that food was real good. Um, you know, Black folks know how to eat. And I was just like, this is this is a, a very seamless recruiting experience. And then obviously, just because I, I do my due diligence, I also asked to be introduced to people who had had my role, as well as other Black Ad members and Transstar members. So I did talk to a number of people before I started to figure out if it was going to be a very safe place for me. And I do think that overall, my experience at Netflix was one of the best experiences I've ever had professionally. You know, I felt much safer at Netflix than I typically felt anywhere else in my tech career. And I also hope that Netflix gets back to that experience. See, how long were you at Netflix? So how from from the moment of the of the good plate of food at the ERG um, to your, I guess, expulsion, firing, being let go? Um, how long how long have you been there? So I started in March 2020. I, I, I was actually part oh. of the first COVID cohort. So I, I went in the one day and the next day we were closed. Um, but yes, yeah, so I started March 2020 and my last day was October 14th. So approximately one year and seven months. So you chose Netflix, like you're saying, because you felt safe, because you felt seen, right? As right. somebody, um, and, you know, can you talk a bit too, because I'm part of, I'm, a, I'm an advisor at an organization called Lesbians Who Tech and Allies. And one of the things that, you know, is spoken about often is the fact of how little diversity there still is in tech, how difficult it is for people that are from the LGBTQ community and those that are also um, black and brown folks to navigate a very bro-ish culture, a culture that is not affirming uh, in any way. And so- the reason behind you choosing Netflix was because of their openness and just your experience overall. What was your experience overall in, in tech proper before you went to before you went to Netflix? Yeah, first of all, shout out to Lesbians Who Tech. That's actually one of the first places I ever spoke at. Um, and so it was a very foundational experience for me. Um, but so this is the thing that's interesting. So one of the, the, the difficulties of working in tech is that I said it was safer than any other company I had worked mm -hmm. at. And so there's a nuance there because just because it's safer doesn't mean that it's actually where it's supposed to be if you actually want a place that supports LGBTQ plus people, Black people, Latinx people, Asian people. Also from an international perspective, the company was rapidly expanding. And so you, if you think about it, the, the UCAN culture, and so UCAN stands for United States and Canada, drastically different than what's going on in Latvia drastically different than what's going on in MIA, drastically different than what's going on in APAC. And I was uniquely situated to understand that complexity because I was the elected leader of both Black App, which is one of the largest ERGs at Netflix. And I also was a part of, uh, elected to be the co-lead for Transstar, which is one of the smaller ERGs, but a very powerful voice. And so what would happen is, is that the people who were part of these ERGs would come to me constantly about their experiences. And so I would hear like everything from, oh, this is the most heartwarming, best story ever. Like your manager is so great to, holy crap, what is going on over there? Like, why is this happening here? And so that's part of this conversation too. 
you know, everyone seems to think that this is about the special, but it's not about the special. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's about externally what kind of content is being put out there and how can we make sure that content represents diverse lives and specifically for trans star trans lives. And if, if you were to ask me from the black perspective, also black lives, right? Especially dark skin lives, right? Dark skin, black people's lives. Like every single employee who's a diverse person, I bet that if you actually ask them, they would say, we're actually not really hitting the mark on some of our content based on my lived experiences. So that's one part of it. And the second part of it is from an internal perspective. It's like, oh, like, you know, Netflix is safer and better than pretty much every other company we've worked at. However, because of the Netflix culture values and concepts like freedom and responsibility, like freedom and responsibility essentially says that you're supposed to do what's best for Netflix. Like that's 100% what it is. It's like it, even if it's not like a beat on the beaten path type thing mm-hmm. that someone else may do, you have the freedom and the responsibility to go out and do that thing because it's the best thing for Netflix. However, one of the things I noticed in my capacity as ERG lead is that that concept was misapplied or applied differently depending on certain types of people. And in fact, one of the big arguments that I'd had with many people and I'd brought up many times is, is that it needs to be taken from freedom and responsibility to freedom and accountability, right? You know, if someone, if, if, if a colleague does, if one colleague does this, and they're a white cisgender man, and another colleague does this, and that's a black cisgender woman, and she gets fired mm-hmm. because someone says that she used she to use bad judgment, even though she was working within the freedom of responsibility spectrum, and, and he does not, then there's a problem with the company. And so ultimately it's this internal battle saying if these cultural values are true. They need to be applied the same way to every single person who works at Netflix. And that makes sense, you know, and that makes sense because I think that in, I think across industries, there is a reckoning that is happening right now. There, I, I believe, and I've had, I continue to have this conversation with different folks about there being a workers, a, a workers revolution that is happening right now. There are uh, so many different strikes, different walkouts that are being experienced right now that large corporations are trying to figure out, well, what are, what do we do? Um, and you know, what do we do? We treat people with dignity and respect. What do we do? We pay people what they're worth. Like there is a reason why this is collectively happening as we're still grappling with a pandemic that costs people a lot of not only their lives, but also their livelihoods and pe- and having the time, right? Whether privileged time or not to recognize, you know, I'm not treated well. I'm not paid enough for this type of, for this type of abuse. Right. Um, and I think too, particularly we look to, um, we look to big tech, right? As, as the barometer by which different firms and companies should be acting. It was the open campus model came because across different industries because of big tech, like, you know, being able to, uh, give your employees different types of benefits, right. That would, um, help them feel valued and seen that came from Silicon Valley and, and this approach to how do we get the best talent, right? Um, and then recognizing, well, when we say best talent, who are we actually talking about when the diversity is not, is not there uh, across the board? 
I want to switch gears now to the the present moment that Netflix has itself in. When you first saw or heard about the Chappelle special, what were your initial reactions? Yeah, so, you know, a, a few days before the special came out, I got an email basically giving me a heads up saying the special was coming out. And I was just like, oh, is it like typical? You know, I was like, you know, I know it's going to be some stuff that people in my community won't like. Um, and and also to be clear, so I identify as trans non-binary, but I also was socialized as a black woman, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I have a lot of empathy and I get very upset when people disrespect black women. And so that's another reason for me for the special. I was like, is he also going to be talking about women in a derogatory manner? Like the, those, those are the types of things. And then, and they were like, yeah, kind of. And, and then the <laughs> yeah, special came of. out. Oh, and the special came out on October 5th mm-hmm. and I didn't, I didn't watch it at the time, but on October 6th, that's when we started seeing like the news reports and then, you know, about like the, the turf mentioning turf, uh, misgendering people. And so then a bunch of us actually looked at the transcript because, you know, one of the things about working in a company like Netflix is you don't want to watch it, right? Because you're feeding into the algorithm, you're feeding into the number of views. And so we, we, we read the transcript. And we were frankly horrified, right? I mean, he actually starts off with like something that's borderline anti-Semitic. And then, you know, he just kind of continues to go and offend as many different groups as he possibly can. And then spending like a large portion of it on transphobic content. Um, and, and, and my take was, wow, this mm. is so much worse than I could have ever imagined. Like, you know, this is, it's like, if the last special was not good, this special is just like, holy cow, how did we not think strategically about what this might actually do to the internal and external reputation of Netflix? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there has been so much commentary uh, since the special has aired. Um, the cover that many people want to provide comedians because they are positioned, you know, in society as the jester for, you know, for, for, for all intensive purposes, the jester that brings to, to light and softens the blow in many ways of a lot of societal ills, right? Things that we will not talk about, um, or that are uncomfortable to talk about. If you put a laugh track to it, it makes it easier to digest. What's your response to that argument around Chappelle's special? So first and foremost, you know, I talked to other people who typically like his specials. Mm-hmm. And some of the things they said was this didn't feel as funny, right? And primarily it because it felt <laughs> well, and, it and, and so that's why I hesitate to say it myself because like the last time I really liked a lot of Chappelle stuff was the Chappelle, the first two seasons of the Chappelle show. So like I, I'm not obviously the, the 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 audience for his specials. But talking to other people, they were like, we, I really struggled with it. Like I was just like can you make some jokes? Like, why are we still talking about, you know, trans people, right? And these are people who like to laugh with him. Um, and so for me, I, I just thought, I was like, how are you missing the point here? And also as a part, as a proud member of the LGBTQ plus community, I could go to a drag show every night and hear way more controversial, inappropriate things that will have me peeing in my seat because it's hilarious because we know that comedy can be great, especially when you know what you're talking about. Mm. You know, when you know what you're talking about, 
you can make something so you can make something so terrible and difficult and uncomfortable and say it in such a way that I will laugh at the same time question myself like I maybe should I why am I laughing (laughs) yeah you know but it's like but that's the thing and that's what that's what we want right like we want this comedy to be so amazingly done that we laugh right and so you know one of the biggest parts of the special that I thought was missing is and and is that you know I'm black and I'm trans I'm black and I'm a lesbian you know the special seems to have this supposition that the LGBTQ plus community is essentially adjacent to the white supremacist community. So LGBTQ plus means white and that trans people, um, and then separately that the civil rights movement, the black people somehow are being hurt completely by the LGBTQ plus movement. And I'm like, well, in that case, then by the trans of property, I am being destroyed by both movements, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Because at no point, does he acknowledge that people like me even exist? Right. And I think that that's one of the things that also, again, when you know what you're talking about, perhaps that could have changed his entire set because he would have been like, well, but you know, I know people like B exists. And, and, and because of that, I probably need to think about this more strategically about the overarching point that I'm trying to make so that I can actually be funny and well, well said in this special versus completely erasing this super um this super small group of individuals who are harmed a much higher rate yep. than virtually every other community in this country. Yeah, I you know, as as a black lesbian, I'm watching this special and there was one point where I was just like so do you not understand that people live at multiple intersections of identities? And, you know, while you can be, I, I would say that he was valid in saying that they're like, oh, can gay people be racist? But in his mind, he was really thinking white gays. Can white gays be racist? But instead of, he was making gay synonymous with whiteness, which is largely part of the problem and what invisibilizes the rest of us, right? Is when, is when that assumption is made from the jump. And, you know, I, what also stood out for me, and I want to ask you this was this, this feeling that it was necessary to establish a hierarchy like the oppress the the oppression Olympics, right? And, and and to do it again without any nuance or understanding of those that live at the intersection of multiple communities. And so I'm like, of course there's racism in the LGBTQ plus community. I have worked in this movement for well over a decade. I can tell you firsthand stories about mm-hmm. like where the money comes from and like who gets to decide what is important and who is important. Um, and when money dries up in one area, why that is, and who are some of the most transphobic people that I've come into, uh, in interfacing with are other members of the LGB community that are some of the most transphobic people. And again, if you have a deep understanding, um, more so than uh, the shallow puddle from which I believe he was operating from, then you would be able to have a lot more, your jokes would be sharper, right? Exactly, 
Exactly. Like if nothing else, like I would like to hang out with Dave Chappelle so that I could educate him so that he really can make me laugh. Right. Right. Like that's the whole goal. Like, you know, how do we educate people? And that's the whole point. Cause like, it was never about taking down a special. It was about creating parody and content so that people could understand the context for which he was talking. Like for instance, you know, I spent a lot of time explaining the term turf to people, you know, over the past week. And they were like, what, like, they were like, is this the grass? I was like, no, it's not the grass. It's not. <laughs> this is like, these are trans exclusionary radical feminists. And what's dangerous about these people and what's dangerous about someone like Dave Chappelle endorsing them is the simple fact of one, they don't think trans women are women. They think many trans men and trans non-binary people are just like confused women who like have been harmed or hurt in some way and can't make their own adult decision, which is like very strange to me. And then they also have, like, they, they, they literally tear women down to this concept of like menstruation or being able to biologically have a child. And we know every single day, people who are born as women are also, there's a lot of women who are also born who can never have children. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that any of those women are not women, right? And so this ideology is not only harmful to the trans community, it's harmful to the overall women's movement, right? The women's movement is being set back by this unintelligent conversation that's happening from this group of people who are full of hate. Mm. And so that's the type of nuance. Like I would love if Netflix, you know, found like, you know, found a documentary that maybe already exists or commissioned a documentary that explained terms. You know, I would love to see a Pose-esque show on Netflix. Give me six seasons of a show that, that's like Pose on Netflix. And maybe I would like, I would just be like, you know what? I didn't even get mad about the Chappelle special because there's, a, a, there's another piece of content that I can go to, that I can point people to that shows trans lives and the fullness of trans lives right there. And that's the real point of this is that you cannot show one side of it that is wrong, like, right? Cannot, cannot say that enough. It's wrong, it's inaccurate, it's not the right information. And then not also show the competing side. I mean, we do it for presidential elections. You can't, you can't have one person from one party, one person who's running for an, an office on one channel and not give the other person or other people the chance to speak their piece. And all we're asking is for media companies to, to invest in that. So talk to, talk to me about um, the walkout that that happened and the the important list of demands that were that were put up um to the to to Netflix to the president of Netflix. Yeah, so first and foremost, um initially it was not going to be a walkout. So initially it was just supposed to be a trans day of rest, like a, a an opportunity for, you know, the trans people who had been deeply affected by this because I could tell that it was a, a major emotional t- you know toll on people. Um, it was supposed to just be, you know, a, the trans day of rest. And then our colleagues who were not trans were supposed to educate themselves and look at different ways to uh, support the trans community. But the problem is then all of Ted's emails came out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Ted's emails were progressively worse and worse and worse. And so then I took a vote of the trans you know, community and asked them, hey, you know, I, I, I'm starting to think maybe this should be a walkout. What do you think? And it was an overwhelming vote saying, yes, 
you know, we think that, that, you know, we would like to have this be a walkout. And then on, so on October 14th at about like, you know, three or 4 PM, I posted in the public channel saying, Hey, FYI, this is now a walkout. Um, this is why, you know, we feel like we need to walk out. Um, and that's how it became a walkout. So why were you fired? Or why do why do you why do you believe that Netflix terminated you after a year and seven months? So I will say that this is what they told me. Mm-hmm. So October fourteenth, I said, "Hey, let's have a walkout." Mm-hmm. And then by seven p.m. that day, I was terminated for essentially what they said was the likelihood that I leaked inf- sensitive and confidential information. And to- was this the president's emails? No, this is uh, the, 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 uh, the data, the data in the Bloomberg article. They were like, it's likely that you did because you, you access this information. Um, and my response was, yes, I did access that information in support of the initiatives that we were putting together to support our argument for diversifying the content on Netflix. Now, what's really interesting is, is in that conversation, they were like, well, but we also saw that you forwarded other emails in different times um, outside of Netflix. And I was like, are those all to Alyssa Pagels? And they were like, yeah. Well, or, or they didn't necessarily say yeah, but they were like, I mean, we, we could double check. And I was like, that's my wife. I was like, I forwarded those emails to my wife. And 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 at the time they were like, oh, by the way, it's a fireball offense to, to forward any email that Netflix sends, period. And but I did was you, like, were you aware of that? I was not aware of this. Was and that so, in a contract anywhere? Not that I know of. Like, you know, so I have an attorney now. My attorney is like, I don't really understand how they came to this conclusion as well. Because like, for instance, they were like, I, and so I, like, for instance, I even said back to them, I was like, well, but like, you know, sometimes you guys will invite us to events and, you know, you say, hey, like you can go to this movie premiere. So you're saying I shouldn't afford it, that email to my wife asking her if she wanted to go with me. You know, mm. and then, you know, uh, you know, there's sometimes where they would say, do you want to watch this show and give us feedback to make sure the show is going to be good? And I would forward that to my wife and say, do you want to watch this show? Because you had to sign up. And and she would say yes or no. I was like, so I wasn't supposed to do that. You know, if a complimentary email came from one of our executives and I thought it was great and I forwarded it to my wife and said, look at how great this email was. I wasn't supposed to do that either. Like, it, it didn't make sense to me that all of a sudden, all of these things that I just did in my normal course of business that often, again, were often complimentary of Netflix were fireable and that there had never been an example of what you could be fired up for provided to me. And, you know, I think this really comes back to this idea, like no rules, rules is a great concept mm. until, until things come up. Because I, I talk to other people and I won't name names, but I talked to other people. I was like, have you ever done any of these things? And they were like, yeah. I was like, so basically we all should be fired because we were all breaking these types of rules. You know, and, and I think that that's, that that's the issue. You know, like, you know, th- and this goes back to the freedom of responsibility and t- changing that to accountability. You know, it, you can't tell someone that they have the freedom to be transparent and do all these different types of actions but then when that person does something that you don't like, all of a sudden they become a problem. Because, I mean, so then the question would be, was it then not within your 
the scope of your position to access the data that you access to begin with? I mean, as far as I know, if you have access to something, you can access it. I like, like that. that I mean, that's as far as I know, you know, and, and also that if it was, if it had been restricted, then you wouldn't have been able to access it in the first place. Correct. And I'm not, and, and to be clear, I'm not advocating for Netflix to change its policies to lock things down. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is, is that this felt weird. It felt really, really strange. And actually in my previous role, so my, my, my most recent role was Game Launch Operations Program Manager. But before that, I was a senior data product manager and I managed finance and membership data, which are two of the most important pieces of data that you could possibly deal with at Netflix. And in fact, that, that, that job was so stressful because I would know weeks or months ahead of time whether we were probably gonna miss how many you know, members we were supposed to have, how much money we made. And that is so much more sensitive than going onto a page and seeing, you know, what movie are we going to release, for instance. So, and I know I don't want to get into the legalities of it because you obviously have a case that is, you know, that is pending. What are the feelings of, let's say, the employees who are trans who are also allies, what happens if the demands that are presented are not met? Where, where do you, th where do you think that this, that this goes? Yeah. So it's really interesting. So one of the things I, I really appreciated about the allies that were a part of this movement is that they were a little scared. Like, like they were a little pissed off too. Right. And it really came back to like a few different ideas. So first and foremost, it was this idea that you know, the emails were very strange. They, they seem to be shutting down dissents and that's not a core Netflix value. Um, they were also really upset because especially around the, those comments around harmful content, because like, I think no matter who you are, like we all agree that there are certain types of content that you wouldn't show to certain types of people. That's why you have PG-13. That's why you have rated mm -hmm. R. That's why you have rated NC-17. So it's well, it's well litigated that content has an impact in the real world, right? And then I think the, the third thing about that was about reputation, right? Like it is important for Netflix to think about the types of content that we put out there. So I do think that no matter what, there's a little bit of a cultural reckoning that has to happen to discuss what does it look like for Netflix to move forward and how it will actually handle these types of situations in the future. So that's first and foremost. Secondly, in terms of the ask not being met, mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure how that's going to look, right? I'm not yeah. sure how allies especially are going to feel about that because the ask, like almost everyone thinks the ask are very reasonable, right? Mm -hmm. And Netflix has the history of saying, we're going to invest in this potential, this particular pipeline of talent to help grow this particular category of content. For instance, like, like there's uh, like there's a one for Black and Latinx people already. Mm -hmm. When COVID first started, they started creating these huge funds for creators across the world. So it's not that dissimilar to concepts that already exist, right? And then like one of the one of the other things is about actually you know investing marketing into trans you know, content. Like, so for instance, many people think that Disclosure had a chance of potentially being nominated for an Oscar, but Netflix didn't actually put a lot of power behind promoting it 
right? So these are all very reasonable, simple asks. And so I do think in my columns to question, why wouldn't you want to do at least something here, right? Um, so that's that's my take on it. I hope that, you know, I'm I'm being a little too pragmatic and like Netflix actually decides just to take a, a, a dive in and, and really try to do um, some, some, some bigger lift there. But at the same time, you know, I've been very shocked by a lot of what Netflix yeah. has done over the past couple of weeks. These are things that I didn't expect from this company. Um, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm usually pretty good at predicting things. And, and so it's been very surprising to me the ways in which they've moved. Be, do you feel like because of this termination and because of how public it is and, and has become that you're going to be some in some way, shape or form blacklisted in your industry? So it's really interesting. So first and foremost, Netflix is a media company, but I'm a technologist. Right. Right. So I do think that that helps. Like if I it could be that if I wanted to work in another media company, there could be issues. But, you know, I'm going to end up being hopefully a product manager, a program manager at a tech company. And I think it's a little bit different there, right, you know, from, from that perspective. And I have reached out, well, my network has reached out to me. And there's a lot of people who have nothing but complimentary things to say about how much they've loved working with me um, throughout my career. So I'm very hopeful that this is just simply a lesson for Netflix and, and that people remember the the quality of my my work for the past decade in technology and that I don't have issues you know um, and if I do have issues if nothing else uh, I get to loudly say hey by the way these there's a lot of stuff going on here that we should really talk about and address and try to figure out how to fix you know, I just, I, I have to say that one, I, I commend you for the conversations that you have been having that are so much far beyond, oh, just take down the special, right? Because taking down the special isn't getting to the heart of the heart of the matter, right? Which is to your point initially about accountability, about responsibility, about representation that is on par with the, you know, the good and the bad, right? Giving that exposure, creating those pipelines. And I think that in these many large companies from Facebook to Netflix, Google, and, you know, and all of them that they're very tight lipped and you don't really know what's going on uh, internally. And then when you get to see that when the curtain is pulled back, you're just like, so this isn't great, right? And as a consumer, I'm saying to myself, and especially as a Black queer consumer, I'm like, I don't really think that these asks are that hard, right? For a multi-billion dollar company to be able to put together. I know you hire consultants and, you know, and, and, act, and advocates and all of these different things. So make more of a concerted effort. Right. Like show people that you are beyond just obviously it's a company It's capitalism. Dave Chappelle makes them a hell of a lot of money. So they were never going to, you know, to take down that show. But it's like, where else can you put investments? Um, the last question for you is, you know, what are your hopes for your former colleagues now who did put themselves out there, who did do this walkout? Um, what are your hopes for how they're able to move forward in this in this climate? Yeah, so I think there's two categories there. So for my trans star siblings, like I'm so proud of them. 
Right. Like I, it's so interesting because Tara and I, like we talk about this all the time. Tara and I are probably the two feistiest members of Transstar and, and the rest of the group often, um, they're, they're, they're some of the most creators and brave people in the world, but it would have been easy um, as the two of us had to go through what we went through to take a step back and say, do we really want to do this? Do we want to risk this? And they did. They, they pushed forward. They kept promoting things. They, they kept making sure it happened. I'm so proud of them. And I know for a fact that every single one of them is made the better for it because mm-hmm. like, I know that they now know that they have the strength to, to fight no matter what. And I also really firmly believe that they can make this happen. Like they can really continue to be the bug in Netflix's ear saying, hey, where's that trans content? When's it gonna happen? When's it gonna be here? For the allies who join, um, you know, one of the things that's interesting to me, and this, and, and, and this goes to show um, when you deal with quality people, it does not matter what happens, they show up for you. You know, I've gotten dozens upon dozens of messages from my former Netflix colleagues. They also set up a diaper fund for me. And, uh, and honestly, <laughs> it's at this point, it's, it's a big enough fund that I'm just like, I, I'm going to have to donate some diapers to other people because I was like, this is too much for, for diapers. But, you know, they set up all of this to make sure I was taken care of. And so, like, I, I, I love and appreciate them. You know, I have no ill will towards Netflix primarily because I want them to be successful, right? And, and a lot of those individuals, they have the ability, they're so talented, they're so smart. And I know for a fact that they're going to be a bug in people's ears too, saying, hey, this was weird. This was strange. How can we be better? Let's never have the situation happen again. We should never be divided in this way uh, as a company because like we are trying to fight all these other competitive forces. Why are we also fighting within ourselves? The, you know, once again, thank you so much for making the time for Woke AF today, but also for your, your courage, um, to speak out and be honest, uh, and vulnerable, right? Um, because it's, it's oftentimes (sighs) black trans people just in general are silenced, um, are, are stats and are victims and are made to be victims. Um, and in this instance, you're you know, a warrior on the front lines, bringing much light and needed attention to a situation that frankly shouldn't have occurred. Um, and hopefully people will learn, uh, from this moving forward. And I hope that as your case evolves and moves forward, that you'll come back and join us again and give us an update as to, as to where things go. I will be happy to. And I, and, and, and honestly, I really hope it's a very positive update. You know, I, I'm, I like... am, I'm putting that energy <laughs> and those vibrations yes. out for you as well. Yes, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. That is it for me, dear friends here on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hello! 
acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.